This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 11 and from verses 29 to 32. When the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to listen to the wisdom of Solomon and see something greater than Solomon is here. The people of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the proclamation of Jonah and see something greater than Jonah is here. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives. For the glory of your great name. Amen. Perhaps like many people, you've been looking up to the heavens recently and asking, God, if you're there, what is going on? So why doesn't God just give us a sign? In this time of intense confusion and bewilderment about COVID-19, wouldn't this be the perfect opportunity for God to step forward? Shouldn't he come out from behind the cloak of invisibility and do something? Life just feels too ambiguous and disconnected at the moment. We felt that the things we were doing had purpose and meaning, but now that all seems to have been ripped away and compromised. A sign, dear God, a sign. Is that too much to ask? And I have a list of suggestions if it would help. Perhaps he should send a squad of angels down from the sky. That would be extraordinary. Or what about a word written in the sky with his finger? Or a miraculous cure for coronavirus so that no more people die and no one loses their livelihood? But what are we really asking for when we demand this sort of sign from God? I think we want to see proof of God's power, but we want it on our terms. We don't just want a sign, we want a sign that affirms us but doesn't confront us. I've met a number of people who say they've experienced unmistakable and direct signs from God over the years. Perhaps they've had a very vivid dream in which God spoke to them, or they've seen a direct and uncanny answer to their prayers, or they've experienced a miraculous healing. What I've noticed is that having one of these experiences doesn't mean that the person becomes then a disciple of Jesus Christ. That process is still to happen. Very often they may believe that the sign of God's power is proof not just of God's presence, but that God is pleased with them. They may be a fan, as we've been saying, but it doesn't make them a follower. Now, in Jesus' time, no one disputed that he was a miracle worker. Even the non-Christian historian Josephus records this. But increasingly, this is what attracted the crowds to Jesus, as we see in Luke chapter 11, verse 29. The crowds were increasing. And it's clear that many of those who came to see what all the fuss was about were not really interested in the message so much as what they thought was the entertainment. What they wanted was less talk and more magic tricks. You can imagine them saying, come on Jesus, less of the blessed is this and the blessed is that, less of the, less of the weird stories we don't understand and more of the spectacular stuff. Can you feed this crowd maybe, or heal this lame man, or maybe go for a stroll on a lake? We'd pay good money to see that. But Jesus says to them, this generation is an evil generation. It asks for a sign, 
but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Just as today, people were asking for a sign. It is not enough that the creation itself is a sign from God, shimmering with his glory. It's not enough that the whole history of Israel was a sign from God, that he made promises to Abraham, that he brought them out of Egypt, and that he gave them the law, and that he built his temple, and that he gave them a king, and that he sent them a line of prophets. The people were after a sign that they could not just read about, but see with their own eyes. And Jesus says, yeah, there'll be a sign, the sign of Jonah. What? The sign of who? Well, you remember the story of Jonah, the prophet, who ran away from God, was swallowed by a fish, and then went off to do his job, finally, when the fish vomited him up. And then he went to a great pagan city, Nineveh, and he preached there that God was about to destroy them for their wickedness. But much to Jonah's surprise, do you remember what happened? Nineveh repented. They got the message. They heeded the warning, and they turned to God. Now, we'll come back to Nineveh in a moment. But for now, Jesus is comparing himself to Jonah in verse 30. He says, For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. What was Jonah a sign of for the people of Nineveh? He was a sign of God's hatred of their way of living. He was a warning to them. The red light on the dashboard telling them that all is not well. And Jesus says, look, I'll be that red light. I'll be the sign for you, but I'll be a warning sign. Now, I'm an optimist, which is mostly, I have to say, a great way to be, except sometimes you need to heed the warning signs. Like when you're driving and there's a red light that says you don't have enough fuel. Now, I have to admit that in the past, I've read that sign as a kind of a suggestion. And more than once, I've ran out of fuel. I I ran out of fuel once in the M5 tunnel. Uh, I had a whole family in the car just last year, all six of us in the car, coming home at 10.30 at night, And I ran out of petrol just over in Leichhardt in Sydney. And not only did I cop it from my family, of course, but then the NRMA guy turns up who looks at me like I was an idiot, which I guess I was, as if to say, did you want a personal phone call to tell you that there was nothing in the tank? Wasn't the red light in the fuel tank enough? We've got a sign from God, the sign of Jonah, the red light on the dashboard. It's Jesus himself. He's a warning to us that all is not well and that God thinks that all is not well. We've trusted in our status, in our education, our wealth and our technology and in that pride in ourselves, not listen to what God wants for us or for our world. And that's all going to be swept away. So there is a sign. But what are we going to do? Well, Jesus gives us two Old Testament examples of the right way to go the Queen of the South, and then the people of Nineveh. And it's interesting that both of these are non-Israelite examples of doing the right thing, just as the Good Samaritan was. And these pagan examples will show up the crowds of Israelites demanding a sign. What was so good about the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, as she's sometimes known? Well, she made a huge journey to visit King Solomon, And to seek his wisdom, he was famous for his wisdom. She'd heard about his reputation for wisdom and insight, and so she came to sit at his feet. The key to Solomon's wisdom? Well, it all began with his relationship to God. He would always say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, after meeting Solomon, the queen said, as we read in 1 Kings chapter 10, 
Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Like Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, the queen is an example of how to respond to God's sign. She was a disciple of Solomon's. And now, says Jesus, one greater than Solomon is here. One even better than him. Jesus' wisdom is deeper even than Solomon's. So don't come seeking his miracles. Come seeking his wisdom. We cannot accumulate Jesus like a possession or have him as a hobby or make a beautiful experience of him like a great holiday. The queen put everything on hold to find true wisdom from God. And in Jesus, we have something she would have given everything to learn. This is the greater part. Listen to and live in the wisdom of Jesus. And there's no better time than now for you and me to be sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from his teaching. Not only do we have some enforced time to think about our dependence on God, but we also need to, since everything material we've trusted in has been exposed. So that's the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba. But the second example of people getting it right is the people of Nineveh who heard Jonah's preaching. What did they do? Well, they believed God and repented. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, we read, The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth as a sign of repentance. They wore itchy clothes. And then we read, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. The Ninevites were a model for us because when they heard the word of God, they were cut to the quick and asked for mercy. And now one greater than Jonah has come. They repented and God relented. Jesus' message is that God's judgment is coming, but also that his grace is available. God's love for us has not failed, even though we have. He has not forgotten us, even when we've forgotten him. But this is a message that demands a response from us. Will we repent? Will we seek his wisdom? So is there a sign from God for us in these troubled days? Yes, there is. We have the sign of Jesus. But it's a sign which is a warning light. The question is, how will you respond? Will you carry on ignoring it, like a driver, hoping that the fumes in his tank will be enough to get him home? Or will you be like the Queen and the Ninevites, who sought out true wisdom and who turned to God? Because in Jesus, we have something greater than even the things they saw. We can see it in that sign, that mark that Christians have always used, the cross. The cross, that great sign, confronts us. It reminds us of the depth of our problem. It's a warning to us that we do not please the Father. But it's also a picture of God's great love, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. And so the only right response is to fall to our knees, seeking God's wisdom in Christ and seeking God's mercy in him. This is how the Christian life begins, but it's also how it continues. It may be something you need to do for the first time today, but it may be something you need to do for the hundredth time. 
the warning sign is never for ignoring. But how blessed we are to have this sign that we can hear it and turn to know the merciful love of God in Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross for the love of God again and again and again. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.